Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is episode 11. And here is a snippet from this week's guest. Actually stepping off the hamster wheel for a moment and reflecting on what the momentum and the trajectory of our current habits and patterns and behaviors are taking us in. That was Donna Skoglund. Donna lives in Kelowna, British Columbia, and I first found her when I moved here because I was looking for a great yoga teacher that would challenge me like I was being challenged in Boulder. And after I met Donna, I found out that she was so much more than an awesome yoga instructor, but she was also a certified yoga health coach and does more of the lifestyle coaching. So I learned that she also has a few different courses and I was at a point where I was feeling very overwhelmed and overscheduled and like all the things I was doing were sort of out of control. And I found out that her courses help you feel more grounded, help you develop a, a routine, which someone who does a lot of different things in a day like I do, having a routine every day, even if it's a few items that you do, it was really helpful for me. In her courses, not only did I learn some interesting things about Ayurveda, but I also learned how to change how I set goals, which as someone who has done lots of different things in my life, it was really interesting to learn a different way of goal setting and time management. I learned how to have a better morning routine and how to create better habits that stick. I'm really excited to be able to talk to Donna and share all the great things that I've learned from her and share them with you because I think that they apply to anybody and anybody who wants to be a better person in their life, show up as a more calm and collected and organized human being. I think we all want that. Donna also is a mother of two young boys and she's definitely focused on building her business, not only as a yoga instructor, but as a yoga health coach. And every time I spend time with Donna, I feel really inspired and really motivated to stick to the changes I've made and always to be better. In our discussion, Donna makes a point to say that it's important who we surround ourselves with, and I'm really happy and honored that I can have Donna in my circle of friends and people that I get to hang out with. I'm really excited about this episode of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it and get a lot out of it. I bring to you Donna Skoglund. So hey Donna, how's it going? Great. It's so fun to come to your house and I had to remind myself that I actually had to knock because normally I come for yoga and you just come right in. Yeah, I know. I know I forgot to unlock for you. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. So normally our interactions have been some of the courses that you teach, but also I first found out about you through yoga because I moved to Kelowna and I really wanted a yoga instructor that was going to challenge me. And you were definitely, you definitely challenge all of us in yoga and it's really fun to constantly be working on improvement. Cool. Yeah. I, that's kind of my thing. I love a challenge and I love to inspire other people to embrace challenges because I really think that's where you grow is when you put yourself in those challenging situations and it really demands you to rise up to the next level. Yeah, so how did you get into teaching yoga? My husband, ironically, who is not a yogi at all, got me into it. He He's a gym buff. Like he has never missed a day at the gym in his whole life since he was 18. Wow. And underneath, when we were living in New York City, underneath the gym was a yoga studio, Jiva Mukti Yoga Studio. And one day he just decided to pop in and check out a class. 
And then he, you know, he came back to me and he was like, hey, I think you would really like it. You should go check it out. And so I checked it out and I loved it. I was in New York pursuing dance at the time. And so I was a dancer. I was naturally flexible, naturally had good body awareness. So I loved it because of that. It was, I, I could really get into my body. I, I was able to do the poses because I had the flexibility. I did not have the strength, however. I was very weak comparatively. And I just started going more and more and I loved it. I fell in love with it and then I wanted to learn more. So I did my teacher training, not really for the intention to actually teach, but just to learn more about it. And then eventually I just fell into teaching and it has, that's been great since then. I love it. But now I've slowly moved towards, I'm still teaching yoga, but now I'm doing more of lifestyle coaching and yoga health coaching. Yeah. So you've taken your love for, you found out that you love teaching through yoga And then you said, well, like, what else can I do with this teaching? So what made you decide to kind of shift gears? And what was the initial spark that made you think, okay, well, now I want to do maybe this lifestyle yoga health coaching? So I think that it started when I became a mom, which is now eight and a half years ago. And I was living in New York. I didn't have any family around, so I was a new mom, and I didn't have support, so I was really struggling with postpartum depression, and because I was a yoga teacher, I, you know, we don't, there's no such thing as paid maternity leave, so I got back to teaching as quickly as I could, and I was burning out because I was going, you know, teaching privates and classes all over New York City right after, you know, short, few weeks after having a baby. And so I didn't really give myself the time to recover and I didn't have support and I got depressed and I was frustrated. And then after eight months, we moved to Kelowna. So I was not only living in a brand new place, which is like a polar opposite of New York City. Let's let's (laughs) talk about Kelowna really quickly because I also moved here from Boulder, but that's a big metropolis area in Colorado. Yeah. So what was your initial thoughts when you moved to Kelowna? I was really, (laughs) I had a hard time. It took me a good three years to really get used to being here and enjoy it because I've lived in a big city all my life. I grew up in Houston, Texas. And then after college, I went to college in upstate New York. And then after college, I moved to New York City. So I'd always been used to living in these big cities. And so... I had visited Kelowna before and I had this idea in my head that we would live on the lake and it would everything was just so beautiful and I didn't really think about what it would be like to live here. <laughs> <laughs> and when we moved here, I you know, I missed there were so many things that I missed about New York. I missed the diversity, I missed culture, I missed my friends. I didn't really know anyone except for my husband's family. And, you know, they're, they're great, but, you know, they, they weren't really my people. So I miss my people and my community. And I was also navigating being a new mom, which is so challenging. It's a lot of change all at once. Yeah, it was a lot of change. So I think I was searching and I've always been interested in health and holistic healing. And I got curious about Ayurveda, which is like the sister science to yoga. And I was really more curious about the health side of it of just learning how to take care of myself better and learning how to take care of my family better. And when I started learning about Ayurveda, it was really all about self-care. And it was all about these daily routines that are in alignment with the cycles of nature. And so that was a totally new concept for me. And I just started to implement these habits and I slowly started to feel better. And I had more energy and I started to 
prioritize taking care of myself, which is you know a new concept for me, which I think it is for so many of us, I started to have a clarity of purpose that I never had before. I never really knew. I mean, I, I would kind of just follow the thing that I was interested in at the time with not like a huge sense of purpose just because it was like the thing I was interested in at the time. But I started to tap into a bigger purpose for myself and have that clarity of this is what I'm supposed to be doing and then really having so much energy to be able to move forward with that and take that to the next level and start to share this stuff. So I just became really passionate about sharing these tools and these habits that made such a big difference in my own life. And that's basically how I got into coaching. Yeah, self-care is, it's kind of like a big buzzword in the the wellness community, but it's true that so many of us don't take care of ourselves. We focus on other things or on our job instead of taking care of ourselves first. And I'm listening to a book on Audible. It's called Peak Performance. It just came out. And there was some statistic in there saying that the average American works 47 hours per week. And it's really hard for us to take care of our minds because we mentally burn out and how people are like, they talked about performance enhancing in sports, but now they're saying people are taking Adderall and all these drugs in their work so they can stay more focused and work even longer. And we're just kind of in this spiraling situation and community where it's expected that you work a lot of hours and that people brag about how many hours they work. And it's like a badge of honor. Totally. So how do you focus on self? Like maybe you're someone is in that situation where they are kind of addicted to the workflow and they're thinking to themselves, I got to take better care of myself, but how do I do that? Like, how do I even say it's okay for me to work less? Cause I think that's a really hard thing for someone who's so motivated in their career and maybe their identity and their self-worth is tied up in how many hours they work. Like, how do you make that switch? Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it comes to a point where either a health crisis that happens or we just become so sick and tired of being sick and tired and we know that it's not sustainable and we get to the point where we want to change. And I think that has to happen, that we have a burning desire. It has to be strong enough because just, you know, we all have ideas in our head of what we should be doing and we don't do it because the desire is just not strong enough. Like it has to be that then in yoga, there's this word called tapas, which is this burning desire to transform. And if it's not there, it's just, it won't happen. No matter how much we know or how educated we are or how much we really understand the costs of living like that, it's until we actually like feel it in our bones. And I talk to so many people that have gotten to that point where their nervous system is just completely frazzled and They're either like suffering chronic pain or they have all these other issues going on because of a lack of self-care. And I think it's a it's a cultural issue because we're so busy. And like you were saying, we're we're, everyone's trying to optimize and and do as much as they can and fill their days and be very productive. And I was actually listening to something recently that was talking about how we need this and so there's the the mind the mental health and then the physical health and right now both we're we're very active in both realms like we're very physically active especially I'm sure like your listeners 
And we're also mentally active. So our minds are running all the time and our bodies are running all the time. And that is a recipe for burnout. And we need, as much as we need the recovery of our physical body, we need time to rest and not be active. We also need the same for our minds. We need that downtime of whether it's meditation or mindfulness or just time for reflection or journaling to balance that out because it's just not sustainable. We cannot live that way. Our nervous system can't handle all the influx of information and stimulation that we're exposed to on a day-to-day basis. And this is relatively new for our, you know, for humankind to have this much stimulation and with, you know, the internet and with how our lives are so connected to the internet that we just can't process it all. And in Ayurveda, there's this understanding that that anything that comes into your body, you have to digest. And what doesn't get digested basically gets stored as, as toxicity. And that toxicity builds up and eventually leads to disease. And it can be mental disease, it can be physical disease, it can be however it shows up for you, but it all comes from the same core, from the same place of just having not being able to fully digest and process what's coming in. So it's really hard to go against the societal pull and momentum of the busyness and of the badge of honor of getting a lot done and being really productive. And I know I fall into it as well. And that's why it's so important that I have carved out time in my day that I practice self-care that is non-negotiable, that happens no matter what. And those are my anchor points that allow me to relax my nervous system, to drop into ease and to balance out that active energy that is the rest of my day. When you just said drop into ease, I actually just felt my body relax because I'm definitely guilty of being overly busy. And I think this is a good point to say that just because you're busy doesn't mean you're productive. And there's my husband also runs his own business. And there's days where we're both like, God, I was so busy today, but I didn't really get it very much done. And yeah, I think that whenever you do take the time to slow down and I notice the days where I do meditation, I actually have a better day. And sometimes it's really hard for me to take the 10 minutes to sit there and motivate or, and, and meditate, motivate to meditate. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always happy when I did it, but it's yeah. hard to do. It yeah. takes discipline to discipline yourself enough to say, no, like I am going to take this downtime because the time I might work less hours in the day, but that time that I'm working is actually going to be far more productive. Yeah. I think understanding the stakes, which is what I got from what you just said, is understanding how important it is. And that's a way that we can pull ourselves out of that cycle. Actually, like stepping off the hamster wheel for a moment and reflecting on what the momentum and the trajectory of our current habits and patterns and behaviors are taking us in. And what does that look like in five years, in 10 years? And how is it impacting our relationships? And how is it impacting how we parent and how we are with other people and how actually how productive we are? Because you're right, like busy does not equal productive. And often when we slow down and when we have that clarity that comes from meditation and other practices of mindfulness, we can actually do more and we're more efficient. And so we're not just running around, but standing still and not actually getting anywhere and progressing and evolving in our lives. We're just busy. (laughs) We just are doing busy work. And that's 
that busy work will sometimes make us help us feel like we're accomplishing something because we can check something off our list. (laughs) (laughs) But is it really moving us in the direction that we want? And often it isn't. And we're just, we feel like we're actually not enjoying our life at all. And we're, we're busy, but we're not present for every moment and we're not able to actually do what we want to do and what's most important and focus on the things that we know are most important. So taking time out to reflect, I think, is a way that we can counter something. And actually, there's a a phenomenon called uh, social contagion. Have you heard of it? Mm -mm. So it's basically this concept that our habits and behaviors are contagious. And there's been a lot of research about this and talking about how If you know someone that's obese, like on the other side of, you know, the country, you have a, I don't know what the percentage is, but a higher likelihood of becoming obese. If you know someone that just got a divorce, you have a higher likelihood of becoming divorced. So we're so influenced by the people in our circle. And it doesn't even have to be in proximity. It can be someone that we just are connected to through Facebook. So one way to counter that and that counter being influenced by the pull of society and culture is to actually be really clear on our own values and to have a clear goal. So when we know exactly what we want for ourselves and what we're working on and what's most important to us, that creates a buffer against really the the side of this pull of what everyone else is doing. Because we are so influenced by other people, whether we realize it or not, it's just that's an aspect of being human but there are ways that we can prevent that from happening, prevent behaviors that we don't want to partake in from happening. Yeah. It's so, it's so important to surround yourself with people that are a good influence on you. And this is something I've actually spoken with some of the other guests about who are athletes talking about their success as an athlete is because of who they surround themselves with. And this is just such a common theme in life. And I remember you actually talking about this because I've taken some of your courses and I remember you mentioning that and I thought, wow, that's really crazy. Yeah. And it's hard because some of us have friends that we've hung out with our whole life. And in our journey as a human being, hopefully we're growing as a human being and we're not stuck in the same place we were 10 years ago. And sometimes we outgrow our friendships and relationships and it's really hard to move on from those. And it's sad because that was like your buddy that you hung out with all the time, but suddenly now you guys are just in different directions and it happens in marriages too. I mean, that's why people get like, there's a number of reasons why people get divorced, but if you're not growing in the same direction and talking about it, then I think that that makes things really hard. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a given that if you are consciously evolving and growing, then you will outgrow certain relationships. And I think it's just something to understand that that's just a part of being on a growth path. And that's not a bad thing. And it doesn't mean that you have to break up with everyone who isn't (laughs) doing what you want to be doing, but you start to be more intentional about who you hang out with. And you start to realize, okay, who supports who I am becoming and the, the habits and behaviors that I want to have and who is actually threatened by that or pulls me is pulling me back into ways that I, I really they feel very outdated. Yeah. So So you're talking about core values and what are some good exercises on how to identify and pin down what your core values are? You know what I, I put together a whole workshop on this because I think it is so fundamental. It's always the first thing I teach in all of my courses is clarify your values. And I think a lot of businesses do this. They, they talk about their core values. So 
you know what you're aligned with. And when you know your values, you, you make better decisions, you set stronger boundaries, your decision making becomes more clear and more simplified because it's, you know, it either aligns or it doesn't. And that helps with that feeling of overwhelm, that overwhelm of like, I don't know what I should be working on. I don't know what I should be doing. But when we know exactly and when we've actually taken time to write out what's important, then we can just run it through that and say, you know, is it, is it aligned to my values or my goals or not? So there's so many different questions that you can ask yourself. And there's, you know, I have, I have a whole big list actually that, that takes you through. And it's really looking back and reflecting on what even your past, like how certain peak moments in your past that were really potent for you and, and what were the values that were expressed in those moments. And also you can find them through thinking about what you're really passionate about or what makes you angry. Like things that make you angry really indicate what is important to you. So there's so much resources online for this too. If you just Google how to discover core values or something to that effect, there's tons of the quizzes and tests and resources for that. So yeah, I also think that your core values kind of can change a little bit as well. Like not necessarily change, but maybe you have several core values and one of them has become a bit more passionate for you and that becomes a harder line in the sand. Yeah. But yeah, with feelings of overwhelm, I mean, that is why I signed up for your, your courses is because I'm always in a state of feeling overwhelmed because I travel all the time. I'm training. I'm trying to run a business with it's a, that's an eight-legged octopus, Cecile Brian Kennedy's this guy I interviewed. He's great. But his business also is an eight-legged octopus. There's a bunch of different inputs happening. So you have all these different things you're trying to manage. You're traveling, you're training, like you're trying to have some sort of life at home and suddenly uh-huh. you just blow up. And you, like, I still get burnt out multiple times a year. So yeah. I need that's something that I constantly need to be working on, which I'm so glad to have you as a resource and the coursework that we've done together because yeah. someone who is driven and motivated, they are gonna take on more and more and more until they're like, oh my gosh, this is way too much. And I'm already on this train and it's moving at hundred miles an hour. How do I slow the train down? So I think something that was really helpful that you mentioned about overwhelm is setting boundaries and being firm about those boundaries. Other tools for people out there who might be feeling what I just described for them to help slow this train down, take a deep breath and create new habits around that so that they don't keep repeating it and maybe even just have something to go back to. So when they are repeating it, like I am to say, wait, I got to push pause. I got to go back to all these rules that I know or these tools that I know and start at square one again and build from there. And I think that is the challenge, especially when we are trying to do many things at once. And and I I definitely fall into that as well. But something that I've personally learned is to actually take more off my plate than I put on. And over the years of navigating my own overwhelm, it has been very much a process of elimination. (laughs) And I've changed a lot of what I do and what I say yes to and what I put on my calendar. And I'm always having to go against that tendency to put more than I can do. And I think we all do that, especially if we are really driven and we want to accomplish a lot. And I think also just recognizing that things take time and to be okay with a slower process. And we always, you know, I think especially for those of us that are high achievers, we want things yesterday. We want them done yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so hard to accept that, Sometimes we just have to be patient 
<laughs> and realize that we can just go one step at a time and getting really clear. And that's why I like doing things like quarterly planning and taking time and deciding, okay, what in this three months do I want to have happen? What do I want to accomplish? And honestly, I used to set three goals and that was just too much. And I mean, there's always ongoing goals. So those kind of are always there, but then maybe just one extra Like a thing. new goal. One new goal. Yeah. Because I would get really frustrated with myself because I would set three goals and I wouldn't achieve them. And I'd, I'd feel bad about myself and feel like a failure and feel like there was something wrong with me. But actually I was just trying to do too much. So if I got really honest with myself of, okay, I only have so much time. We all have the only so much time. So what is most important for me to accomplish in this period? And know that the other stuff can happen at another time because it's, it's just not, it's not humanly possible. And I think delegation is really important. And the whole idea of elimination is, you know, taking things off your plate and maybe like giving them to other people to do, which can also be really hard for us because we want to feel like we can do it all. <laughs> yeah. The women's movement. Yeah. We can do it all. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Sure, we might be able to a point, but that is definitely a recipe for burnout and overwhelm and stress and not enjoying your life. So I think getting really clear on exactly what you're working on and then letting other things go is really important to overcome that feeling of overwhelm, to be accepting and, and patient of slow process of change. And getting really organized and that's that comes that goes along with the planning it's you know I do the quarterly planning and then I every week it's like okay these are the things that have to have to happen this week so that when I sit down every day I don't feel overwhelmed because if you don't have a plan it's like oh my god I have so many things to do and it, it feels too much and it's paralyzing and then we'll, we'll often procrastinate by doing email and the busy work <laughs> the never-ending work because it's somehow in a way makes us feel like we're productive, but we're not because we're not doing the most important things. So if we know what those important things are and we're doing them first and we're getting really organized and we know exactly when to do those things, it helps a lot with overwhelm. And I think even just your physical, there's so many, there's so many things that help with overwhelm. Your environment can make a big difference, like having an environment that isn't cluttered and because that, that sends subconscious message to your mind that there's just a lot of unfinished things to be done and a lot of clutter and excess. Yeah, like when you see the clutter, your brain actually, it's in this book called The Success Principles by Jack Canfield, but one mm. of the principles is get rid of all your clutter and keep your house neat and organized, which is something that I'm always trying to do. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, right before I came here, my office is a disaster because I've been traveling so much and then that's kind of like the room where we put stuff if it doesn't have a home. So today I just got a giant box and I went in there this morning and I just put everything in the box so that there's no, at least no yeah. clutter and yeah. I need to go back and address what's in the box now, right. <laughs> but at least I don't have to look at it and take in all the clutter all around me because it affects your creative process. It does. Yeah, yeah, it does. And it's such a fine line. And I think that with everything, it's a fine line. And I think one of the, I know one of the big major concepts in yoga is that it's, there's always a paradox or I like the improv teaching of yes and <laughs> I think everything's yes and because you don't want to and I think moms get trapped into this idea of like always needing the house to be clean 
It's like, no, you don't want to spend all day cleaning. So there's like a letting go, but being able to not live in a cluttered space so that, you know, you let go of the cleaning so that you can focus on the things that are more important. So it's such a fine line, which is why, you know, we, we go through the Marie Kondo life-changing magic of tidying up in my one, the course that you took with me. Yeah, you guys should definitely buy that book. I'll put it in the show notes. I also bought her second book. Yes, Spark Joy. Spark Joy. I've only written half of it, but... Yeah. This book is awesome because it tells you how to organize. Yes. It tells you the process of getting rid of stuff and it's not the process which you might think. And then it even tells you, and this might sound dull, but it tells you how to fold and organize your things so that they don't end up piling up on one another. Yeah. And my husband actually really loved that and he loves yeah. that everything has a place. Yes. And the craziest thing for me from that is my socks because <laughs> I have a sock sponsor defeat and I have lots of awesome socks. and. It sounds really like really dorky, <laughs> but I am so proud of how I have my socks organized. Yeah, I'll, put, totally. I'll post a picture of It sparks joy when you open your drawer and everything is so it's in order. organized. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I think it's you know organizing your space and the idea of minimalism, which is she talks about just getting rid of anything that doesn't spark joy. And I think we need to translate that across the board of the actions that we're doing and the, the activities that we're engaging in, do they really spark joy? And what can you let go of? What really doesn't add to your life and doesn't bring, add more meaning or isn't really essential. So I, there was a good book that I read recently, Essentialism, that talks about this idea of just a minimalistic lifestyle that that helps to counter that pull of the, the excess that our culture is in and of that, that creates so much of the overwhelm. So even with starting with just your things, like just having less stuff helps. And then you go to your schedule and putting less on there. Yeah. So there's space, like we need space in our physical space and in our minds and in our schedules. It's the space is where the creativity arises and that's where the potential lies. Yeah. Potential that you didn't even realize you had because you're too busy focusing on all this stuff that's like spread out everywhere on your computer or wherever. Yeah. I'd like to go back to talking about the quarterly goals. And this was something that we also worked on in the class with the book, the 12 week year. And it was the process of setting a goal and the process of working towards that goal in a way that helps you with time management and it helps you achieve your goal. So I'd love to, for you to break down that for us. Yeah, I love that book. When my teacher actually introduced me to that book and I, when I started reading it, I was like, I got so inspired and it was so motivating. And it took me a while to implement because it's, you know, as a yogi, I think often we're, we're like in a state of flow and <laughs> we're not as structured. And so to create more structure with goal setting. And so that the idea is that there's, there's lots of different competencies in that book that he goes into, but it's doing the quarterly planning. So four times a year, picking your goals and then breaking them down into tactics and then understanding, you know, what actions move in that direction and he calls them lead and lag indicators. How are you going to measure how you're doing? So scoring yourself. So having like a weekly scorecard so that you can actually have a reality check with yourself and see, am I actually making progress or not? Yeah. And hold, then, hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Hold yourself accountable and also course correct along the way. So every week you can see, am I moving forward or not? And if I'm not, why? And then we can have a chance to, to figure that out and learn throughout the process. So there's the scoring, there's the planning. So there's the quarterly planning and then also the weekly planning and then the daily planning. And 
creating time blocks is huge. So that's really something that helps with the overwhelm, I think, as well, because we just concentrate our work in certain times of the day so it's not spreading out so that it doesn't feel like we're always working or like checking your email like yeah once every 30 minutes right which is it's, or that's more. a hard one for me to <laughs> if I'm being honest yeah more. totally and I that's been definitely one of my challenges is to <laughs> let go of that and especially I think when you know you have your own business it's like okay <laughs> we're always on we want to be on top of everything yeah so, but it's really unnecessary and it is, that's the whole switching that happens in the mind when you're not focusing on one thing at a time and you actually lose time and you're not as productive. So when you actually just focus on one thing at a time, whether it is emails and just have a chunk of time of 15, 20, 30 minutes that you're doing that. So it's not actually spreading out into the your whole day and then having time where you're working on strategic tasks like projects or writing or goals. And then the breakout blocks, which I think is the antidote to work life, or it's the the key to work life balance is having time in your day where you are doing something that's totally unrelated to work and unrelated to your goals, but simply for fun, for pleasure, for joy. And I definitely think that we don't do enough of that. And I'll put myself in that camp. And so that's always something that I'm working on as well. My question about the buffer blocks, and I'm sure that you have the similar thing because your passion is your business. Yeah. And I'm the same way. Yeah. And if your passion is your business, then how do you have a buffer block that isn't related to business? Because if you love learning and growing and reading all these things right. or like... You mean the breakout block. So the buffer is the emails or the oh yeah. administrative stuff. The breakout block is the, the pleasure, joy. the fun, the joy. Yeah, I know that it is tough because maybe for you, you'd want to like go on a bike ride or something. and Yeah, or like read a book read, about yeah. something, but it always everything that I do because... It come, comes back to that. Yeah, because everything in our lives, and this is a really awesome thing, but yeah. it's hard to separate yourself from work because your work yeah. is your passion. Totally. So where do you find ways? And for, for me, one of those things which I need to do more of is playing music mm, because it has yeah. nothing to do totally. with cycling or yeah. running a business or whatever. Or going out with friends. But it's hard, though, because, like, you always feel the pull to work. And it doesn't feel like work, but it is still adding on to the fire of overwhelm because you're you're thinking, well, I should do this, or I could write an article about this book, or or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, I know. That's so true. And I think just a lot of it ties back to understanding what's important and also why we're doing this. And we often, you know, we have our own businesses because we want a sense of freedom of lifestyle. And so what does that freedom lifestyle look like? Like if we could write out and imagine and visualize our ideal day and our ideal life, how would we be spending? Would we actually be spending every moment on our work? Maybe not. We'd probably want some time off from that. Mm -hmm. And so you can start doing that in very small ways now with like things like playing music. And for me, I can definitely, I think we can all probably come up with a few things that are not related, even if our work is our passion Mm -hmm. and we're lucky enough to be in that camp. But I think that there is like hanging out with friends and even being in nature, taking a hike. Yeah. Taking pictures of flowers. That's something like even in the middle of my bike rides, if it's an easy ride, I'm like, I'm going to take some time for me to stop. And I'm like yesterday I was like looking at flowers and taking pictures of flowers on my bike ride and it brought me so much joy. Totally. And I think there's so much power in those little micro moments of 
self-care. And we often think that self-care needs to be this long drawn out, you know, 15 minutes on a meditating or going to an hour long yoga class or whatever it is, but it doesn't, there is, it's, there's so much potency in these, like just taking a few deep breaths or taking a moment to stop and smell the flowers or take a picture of the flowers or so we can, when we need actually to inject more of those little things in our day to create that sense of like enjoying life and balance. I like that. So I like that you're doing that. And that's awesome. (laughs) So yeah, let's go back to the self-care talk because people might be hearing the word self-care, but they still don't know what they need to do to take care of themselves. Right. And yeah, that's such a good point because often when I talk to people, it's like they will say, I don't even know what that looks like. Like what does self-care even look like? What does that even mean? Because it is kind of a, a concept that can, we need to like ground it in actual things. So and it's coming down to that, coming back to that balance of the active mind, active body. So maybe it's something like taking a bath. Maybe it's something like prioritizing sleep and making sure that you're just getting enough sleep. So giving yourself, putting, giving yourself boundaries of I stop work at this time and I get in bed by this time. And so that I'm getting, you know, this amount of sleep because that's honoring our bodies and taking care of our bodies. And self-care is really taking care of our bodies and our minds. So with meditation, it could be journaling. It could be just feeding yourself well, making sure that you're taking time out to make sure that you have good food and it's prepared and you're not skipping meals or eating on the go or eating fast food. Or in front of your computer. Yeah. That's really easy to do, especially with our devices as yeah. well. Like check social media while, like check your Instagram, look yeah. at pictures while you're eating. And yeah. Taking the time, at least for one meal, like as a start, you know, if you're trying to make that change, totally to sit down at the table or outside or whatever and move away all the electronic devices so that you can be present in what you're doing. Yeah. And it was cool on the airplane. So I like the Headspace app Mm -hmm. and I tried actually to get Andy Puddycomb on my podcast. Of course, I think I'm too small fry, but I tried. Uh But you guys should check out the Headspace app and they just actually updated it to make it even more user friendly. But on the airplane, they actually have a bunch of headspace things that you can listen to. That's right. That's right. And so I was on a plane to Australia and I I was like, well, I got lots of time. I'll just listen to all of them. I didn't like meditate through all of them, but I wanted to hear kind of what the the cues were. And one of them was about eating. And it said, he said, sit down with your food and don't just eat your food. Think about what went into making that food. Not only who prepared it for you, but where it came from and how it was grown and the people who might have been handling it when it was being grown. And it helps you have a deeper sense of connectedness to what you're eating and to that entire per- that entire moment instead of just mindlessly, like, not even looking at your food, eating it. Yeah, yeah. totally. And food is so beautiful. I think it's important yeah. to, to take in visually what you're actually putting inside your body and then yeah. thinking to yourself, this is precious and this is fueling me. This is energy for me. And in some cases, it's also preventing or promoting disease, depending on what you're putting in your body. So yeah. being really aware of that, I think, helps you be more present at mealtime. Yeah, and not only that, but you'll digest your food better. And so that comes back to what I was talking about, how anything that goes in needs to be processed and digested. So the importance of good digestion is, is really emphasized in Ayurveda. And something as simple as taking time to pause and have gratitude for your food and where it comes from can actually help because it moves you into more of a rest and relaxation response or that you're not you know when you're on the go or when you're eating standing up or when you're distracted and reading or 
looking at something while you're eating, you're not digesting as well. So that's a, kind of another reason to do that. And you'll enjoy your food more. And there's so much pleasure and I think so much of enjoyment comes from being in the moment and being present with whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's why mealtime is so special because it used to be that we would eat meals, people eat meals together, they break bread at the same time as to share an experience. So whenever you're by yourself, it's harder to be present in that moment because you're like, well, I don't need to talk to anybody. I'll, I'll just work through this I'll, or I'll read this book while I eat. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. So what are some other morning routines? So in your course, morning routine is a big part of it. And just in general, having a routine, a daily routine, even if you're traveling all the time, having a routine yeah. as part of your traveling. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some key practices to do in the morning that help to optimize your whole day and help give you energy and help you be more focused and more alert, more clear. And it starts with just waking up early. And when you wake up early, you, you just tend to be more alert and more clear as opposed to when you sleep in. And hydrating right away, so waking up and drinking a couple of glasses of water because we get really dehydrated when we sleep. And most of us in general are dehydrated. We don't drink enough water. So starting your day drinking like two to four cups of water is a really good thing that you can do for your digestion and for your health. Yeah, before the coffee. Before is, the coffee, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, a really cool espresso machine. It's like a rocket espresso machine, and it takes it like 10, 15 minutes to get warmed up because it's like this big stainless Monster. steel yeah. yeah so that forces me to take time to drink water first good. before I put coffee in but yeah. I, I definitely want my coffee first so it's yeah it's good to be aware of that yeah. and to take the time to be like no I need to drink water first because yeah. it's gonna ultimately nourish my body yeah. better than coffee <laughs> right because coffee dehydrates as well and yeah I used to do that like coffee was the first thing I had until I started doing this and the thing is with coffee is you know, we get our bowels get really worked up. Uh, well, they get um, dependent on the oh. caffeine. So yeah. like you can't have a bowel movement without the caffeine off it and without oh. the coffee. So drinking water helps to allow your, you know, to stimulate paracelsus. So you have a bowel movement and, and I know we didn't really plan on talking about constipation, but <laughs> <laughs> pooping is always a good topic. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's, you know, we generally, as a culture, we are a constipated culture. And so <laughs> drinking water, first thing, it helps to start to regulate your bowel movements because it is so important that you, you go very, you know, first thing in the morning or within you know, an hour of waking up. Yeah, I also think increasing the amount of fiber in your diet yeah, really helps if you're having trouble sure. with bowel movements. Definitely. Most Americans don't get even close to the amount of fiber you need. And it doesn't have to be fancy. Like, people say, oh, I should eat more salads or whatever, but... I actually don't want to spend the time to make a salad. Yeah. So what I do a lot of the time, and I actually, I hesitantly, but actually did it on Instagram stories. I posted of what it looks like when I eat salad. And I open up the container of like greens and I just shove it in my mouth. <laughs> I take a handful and I smash it down on my hand and I eat it. And boom, <laughs> in five seconds, I've eaten a cup of vegetables. Yeah. And then I can keep going. I don't have to sit down with a fork and like try and stab each piece because it just takes forever. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I don't know if that's necessarily mindful eating, but <laughs> if you're trying to get more fiber in your diet, yeah. those leafy greens. I, I totally agree with that. I often will not make salads for that reason. It's, it's usually an involved process and it's yeah not as easy as to eat. So I like that. I'll have to try that sometime. <laughs> I, I get mine. Well, I, I try to have a lot of greens, but 
that's why I like green smoothies in the morning because that's yeah. a really easy way to get a whole bunch of greens and fiber in your diet and it's easy to get down because you can drink a lot more greens than you can actually sit and chew. Like it would take you so much longer and it's much more tedious. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a good point to say that green juice is not the same as green smoothie. Yeah, green juice fiber. has nutrients, but it has, yeah, it has no fiber in it. So yeah. the green smoothie is actually going to have the fiber and the green smoothie shouldn't be mostly fruit. Like you yeah. can use fruit as a sweetener, but it should be mostly greens. And totally. Yeah. Actually, what do you put in your green smoothie? So yeah, I've been trying to do a, pretty much a no sugar green smoothie. And so I do half an avocado and then I literally fill up the blender with the greens. So I do beet greens. I've been using lamb's quarters. I've been, I use spinach, kale. Is lamb's quarters a vegetable or? No, it's a invasive it's a wild edible. It's, a, oh, wow. it's basically a weed. <laughs> nice. And it's higher, it's more nutritious than spinach. It's, and that's the thing with, and we, we go into this in my courses a bit, and how much more nutritious wild edibles are than anything you could ever buy in the grocery store because the, the roots go deeper and we're, our soil is depleted. So we get those minerals that we're not getting from grocery store produce hmm. in the wild edibles. So yeah, I try to mix up my greens and it's really important to diversify your greens. And then I use, so that's pretty much my base. And then I'll put coconut milk in it and some water. I'll, I'll always put some, tu- like a chunk of fresh turmeric and a chunk of fresh ginger. And then because that's not very sweet, I have a protein. It's like a, a vegan protein powder that has, what does it have? It has, it has like all these awesome superfoods and greens in there. And then it ha- I think it's sweetened with a little bit of stevia. Mm-hmm. So it gives that little bit of sweetness mm-hmm. because I used to use fruit. Like I used to use banana or other fruit. I put mm-hmm. berries. Sometimes I'll put blueberries and strawberries and mm-hmm. other kind of berries, but I always put a little bit of that protein powder for that sweetness. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I recommend just like filling the blender up with greens and maybe adding, you know, definitely have an avocado creates that creaminess and then maybe another fruit. Yeah. Cool. All right, so we get up in the morning, we have our water, and we have our green smoothie. So the green smoothie actually happens after exercise. Okay. So it's so important that you eat, or that you exercise before you eat, because it, it jumpstarts your metabolism, and... Unless you're doing, like, an interval workout or something like that, because, yeah, you'll need a little bit more... Well, it probably depends system. on how, because I've been doing interval training, but it's only, it's 20 minutes, so I yeah. don't, it depends on, I guess, how long, Yeah. because I, I have no problem doing yeah. it. Yeah, because your body can store a certain amount of glycogen, but after about an hour, then you have to start putting it back in. Yeah. So yeah, if you're doing a longer workout, yeah. But my workouts are usually anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I have been doing more high intensity stuff lately, but um, I do a lot of yoga too. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to balance out, again, the active exercise and then also some more of like the gentle Mm -hmm. stretching and so that you're having a well-rounded exercise routine Mm -hmm. and program. And then I do meditation right after my exercise, and I sit between 10 and 15 minutes, depending. And I'll often use an app like Headspace or Insight Timer, and sometimes I'll just want quiet, so sometimes I'll just put a timer on without Mm -hmm. a guided meditation. And then after that, I'll come up, I'll make a matcha latte. I gave up coffee a few years ago, and it's kind of my reward after I've done my exercise and my meditation. I think that's important to do that, because... It's a way to kind of get motivate you to do things that might kind of feel like a <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's you not, don't really you feel don't like, like doing it. it. Yeah. yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like even if you've been doing it all your life, there are days that you just still won't want to do these things. But you've actually 
decided that that's important. It's a value to be healthy. It's a value to take care of yourself. And you do it no matter what, whether you feel like it or not. And I think that's really, really important because mm-hmm. we often let our minds take over and come up with all kinds of excuses why we don't have to do it today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the power of habit. It's a choice that you've made in advance and then you just do it without thinking about it, not mm-hmm. having to make the decision of whether to do it or not. Yeah, it's more of a commitment than just a habit. Yeah. It's like you've committed. Uh, there's a something that I heard, and it's again, it's from that book, The Success Principles, mm-hmm. and it's about making commitment to doing something. Yeah. And it's like when you get married, you're making a commitment to be with that person. You're yeah. not going to go cheat on them and do all these other things, hopefully not. But the, your commitment should be that strong. Yes. Like in your habits. 100%. You're creating, yeah, you're in 100%. And then you don't have to make a decision. The decision's yeah. already made and yeah. you've already committed to it. So you exactly. just have to do it. That is such a big key, having creating that firm commitment. And that's often where we will kind of half-ass our commitments and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then not do it. And that's when we're not setting the strong enough boundaries. But when we've made a commitment, it's like we've created clear lines and we know exactly what we're doing. So, yeah, so then I have my matcha and then I'll slowly that's when I'll get like the kids ready and I'll make their breakfast and lunch and then I'll make my green smoothie. And so I'll usually don't eat until about three, four hours after I wake up. Mm-hmm. Cause I try to intermittent fast for 14 hours every day. So that's my morning routine. And then I get my kids off to school and then that's, I come home and I get started on my work. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And even just taking little snippets of that into your day as much as you can, yeah, uh, really helps. And I definitely notice a difference whenever you wake up early versus whenever you sleep in a little bit. And you mentioned something in Ayurveda about like there's different times of days that have has a name and a different type of characteristic and energy associated with that time of day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's this deeper understanding that we're connected to nature. We're not separate from it. And what's happening outside is also happening inside of our bodies. So once we're attuned to those cycles of nature and we can start to sync up with those different energies, we start to actually optimize our health because there's times of the day, like say in the evening, we, where energy should go down and instead of go up and and that, that energy moving down helps us get ready for sleep and helps us be able to fall asleep and stay asleep and have deep, good quality sleep. And if we're going against that and we're stimulating, whether it's like watching some show or if we're working late at night or if we're on the computer that goes against that natural rhythm and that ultimately what is creates imbalances yeah you have a course about sleep don't you yeah yeah 21 days to epic sleep yeah yeah and it really takes you through these 21 essential tips that help optimize sleep so if you have insomnia or you just you know have trouble sleeping or trouble falling asleep or staying asleep you know, you do these things and you will be able to slowly get your body back to do what it knows how to do and has forgotten because we're living so out of rhythm and we're so disconnected from nature. And so our bodies are not functioning as they should. And it's like once you get reconnected, our body knows how to function. Our body knows how to do all these things. So everything gets balanced. Our hormones get balanced and and we start to be able to do like be able to sleep again and be able to have energy during the day and not have to rely on stimulants and all the things that so many of us are addicted to. Yeah. I was thinking about this and I think that most people love going camping 
-hmm. And I've never camped in an RV, so I don't really know if this applies if you're in an RV, but it probably does. But like when you're camping, you are connected with nature and you're living by like the sun goes down and you're out like hopefully you don't have a TV when you're camping. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you're tent camping yeah. or tent trailer camping, you're outside and the sun goes down and maybe you like have a fire or whatever. And then everybody goes to bed at a decent hour and then you get up when it gets light out Yeah. and you spend the day kind of outside connecting with nature. And yeah. all of my favorite memories, I've been to some amazing places around the world, racing my bike and on these like cool vacations. But if I think back to like my favorite times doing things it's, it's always camping mm. and I think it yeah. is because it is simple number yeah. one especially like when you're camping somewhere where there's no cell phone service and that's wonderful because then there is no choice you don't have to yeah. make a decision should I check my phone or not and you're outside and you're living based on the rhythms of the day and the night and yeah there's no distraction totally yeah, yeah I know yeah, it's and that's the thing. It's often when you camp, it's you, you realize you sleep so well and so deeply because you have connected to earth. And even just literally touching the earth is so balancing. Like putting our feet on the ground and in the grass yeah. helps to, you know, release free radicals and that idea of grounding. There's like grounding mats and grounding sheets and all these things. Oh, really? Just connect to the earth so that, like when I was doing research for that sleep course, I, I came across a lot of these technological hacks for actually getting connected to the earth so that we can sleep. So, yeah. 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 I really like the term grounding. It's like, yeah, that was a word that I keep saying over and over to myself, especially when I feel like I'm not feeling yeah. rooted down to the earth and that Especially when you travel are, a lot. I yeah. Think it's like you need to balance it out with the grounding stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. So you have some courses coming up, like your courses aren't only in person. So if someone's interested in taking your course, yeah. you offer like how many courses do you offer and how does it work? Yeah. So they're now pretty much all online That's and awesome. all through video conferencing. So you can join from anywhere in the world and it really helps you start to prioritize self-care and start to get connected with the rhythms and the cycles of earth so that your body starts to heal and your hormones get balanced and everything starts to get better. And so that's basically my signature course. And then I have other courses What's as that well. What's called? Align and Thrive. Mm -hmm. And you know, we taught, we create, we intentionally create these morning routines and evening routines that really help optimize our day and give us that sense of balance and help us to counter those feelings of overwhelm and of stress that our busy lives can create. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those, and I have a webinar on a morning routine. So if you want to get a little bit of a taste of what, you know, what we actually it's do, free, right? it's free, yeah. it's totally free. So you can just go to my website at my name slash morning and you can watch it's a 50 minute webinar and it's jam packed. I put a whole lot of just getting understanding of those cycles of nature, which we touched on, of like what are the different energies of the day and how can we start to sync up with that? And then what should we do at what times so that you know, we can get our bodies back into rhythm? Yeah, and then you have a course on the goal setting yeah. and all those different yeah. things. Yeah, so then about I also too. have um, a course that goes a little bit deeper into Ayurveda, and that's a six month course called Empowered Living. And then I have another course that's called Do Your Dharma, which is all about goal setting and time management and really being able to create the life of your dreams and 
reverse engineer that and actually create a structure and a routine that helps you achieve what you really want. So, and it's all with the backdrop of not compromising your health and prioritizing your self-care while we're actually moving in the direction of our biggest goals. So that's, you know, that's really important that we have the foundation of really good, solid health. And then we can, you know, then it's limitless. Then there, there's so much potential to what we can do with our lives when we have the energy and we have the solid self-care practices in place. Yeah, so true. I've pretty much, I know that the courses evolve over time, but I've pretty much taken all of those courses. A nice side effect that I wasn't expecting is the group aspect of it. And mm -hmm. it's not just you trying, like one person trying to improve in their lives. It's other people going through the same things and that you get to hear what they're doing and you get to connect with people yeah. and even make friends that you can carry through past the course. And totally. that's really special. And again, it goes back to the beginning when we were talking about the importance of who you surround yourself with yes. and building community. And if people are trying to make new friends or whatever, like it's a really great way to do it. If you yeah. take a course that is about something you're interested in, and then you meet all these great like-minded people that have similar values to you. I think that's the actually most powerful part of the courses actually. I mean, you get really great information and you learn a lot, but it's actually in having more intimate, deeper conversations about life and about balance and about like, how do we overcome the overwhelm and how do we actually achieve the life that we want? And in those deep conversations, that's when you know, we really get, there's so much we get out of that, of being connected with people that are like-minded and that are there totally to support you and to listen to you and to offer, you know, whatever you need and, there's so much great connections that are made from those. And it's awesome because the connections are friendship-based, but then I've also seen connections happen. Like one course, one member will help another member achieve a certain goal like through their connections that they have. And, but it's, you know, it's a rare opportunity to have these kind of conversations, even in our friendships. I, you know, we don't often talk about what goals we're working on necessarily or self-care and health, you know, often mm -hmm. we'll, Unfortunately, it's, it moves towards more shallow discussion, more shallow conversation. So mm -hmm. it's really a container that we can have those deeper conversations that I think we ultimately all want to have. Mm -hmm. Like we all want to talk about what's really important, mm -hmm. but sometimes the conversation doesn't necessarily go there. Mm -hmm. So it's a space that a safe space where we can feel vulnerable and be able to be totally honest and everyone's very accepting and open and it's just such a, it's so, so valuable. And doing courses, especially when we are changing behaviors with other people, creates an accountability that is an, a peer support network that there's actually studies that have shown that you're 70% more likely to make changes when you are tapped into accountability and peer support, as opposed to when you try to do them alone because of the social contagion thing, because we're so... You know, we, we're so influenced by the people that are maybe not doing that, that it makes it really hard to go against that pull and mm -hmm. make changes. Awesome. So people can find you on your website? Yep. And it's, uh, it's my name. It's D-A-N-A-S-K-O-G-L-U-N-D.com. And so if you want to watch the morning webinar, you can, it's right on there slash morning. And I've got a whole bunch of, I have a blog, so I talk, I write your new, about Your stuff. newsletter is awesome. You guys should definitely sign up for her newsletter. Like it's, <laughs> it's great information. And one thing we didn't get to was 
this topic of Kaizen, but you have that on your blog as well. Yeah. So yeah. I'll make sure that I put all this in the show notes. So yeah, donnascoglin.com and then all these different things. You can just open up like some, my husband said to me, well, people might not know what show notes is if you're new to a podcast. So you can basically click the little information on iTunes and it shows the show notes, or you can go on the podcast source page, which is on Libsyn. So it's on my website. So in the show notes, you can actually get access to all these things that we talk about. Yeah. Awesome. And, and the books and yeah, all the links. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much, Donna. Oh, you're welcome. It was such a blast. I'm so honored to be on your new podcast and thanks i'm sure it's awesome yeah so. and it's so fun to be able to do these in person because yeah. not all of my podcasts are in person and it definitely is a different energy whenever you are sitting right across from the person instead of looking at a video of them on the screen yeah totally i totally agree yeah cool yeah See you later. all right thanks <laughs> I feel reinvigorated after that discussion with Donna. I actually went back through all of the course materials that I had done over the past year with her. And it's really fun to see the growth and also just techniques that I can be reminded of to help me stay organized and grounded in my life. Next up for me is I'm leaving for Columbia in about two weeks. It's a mountain bike stage race at very high altitude and I'm feeling a little bit anxious about that because I live at a thousand feet and the race goes up to almost 14,000 feet. Uh, that's going to be pretty hard especially because my teammate Amy Beth McDougall lives at altitude so I know I'm going to be the weak link on the team and I'm working on the mental preparation for that. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast and as always please share it with your friends on social media or wherever you like to spend your spare time connecting with people. All of your feedback has been greatly appreciated in the form of iTunes reviews or even some of the personal messages that you guys have sent me. I love hearing that this is bringing value to you guys. That's why I do it. I think that sharing these amazing people's stories and just creating a community of empowerment and motivation and, and health and wellness is so important. And it's so nice to have you guys along for the ride. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check out the show notes. That way you can have access to all of Donna's great courses and the books we talked about. And she's also hosting a retreat in Bali this fall. So if you're looking for a yoga getaway, maybe something different, check that out. Thanks to those of you who have contributed to the Patreon page, also in the show notes. That helps so much. It helps develop the show and it helps me bring to you even higher quality guests. Wishing you all the best success in your training and your adventures. And we'll see you back here next week.